0: Welcome to the B2B Growth Marketer Podcast with Alex Mead. I've invited sales, marketing, and business leaders to discuss their successes, failures, and everything else in between. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. You know, before we start today, I just want to say thank you um, to everybody who's listening today. You took time out of your day, out of your, you know, while you're on a walk, uh, while you're in the car, you know, while you're cleaning the house, you know, whatever you're doing, to to stop and listen to our podcast, and I really appreciate it and want to say thank you. There's a lot of podcasts out there right now, which is amazing. Uh, there's a lot of great content. There's a lot of great interviews. There's a lot of great, you know, opinions and and content and ideas being spread. And so I really do appreciate you spending time here. Um, today's show is with Karina gelster Borgart, and Karina is the you know she leads up the marketing and brand at Metal Toad and we've been fortunate enough to do a little bit of work with Metal Toad. They're an awesome um you know awesome company AWS you know managed service provider. They do some custom development um, and they're getting into the HubSpot CMS game. And so you should really check them out. But in this conversation with Karina, we really kind of talk about like how she got into design. You know, she started as a designer, how she got into graphic design. What that means to her, and what that meant, and how that transitioned her into, you know, more of a traditional B two B marketing role uh, mixed in with her design element. and so there's a lot of you know great information there. And then also they they decided to have kind of this radical idea to, you know, be the leaders in their space to map out the the landscape of all of the different companies and providers and service providers in their in their industry and work with them to create uh, content and create this visual video content and interview leaders and have these conversations. And so we, she she talks about that process, you know, how they got started, you know, this idea that they could be scrappy and to, um, you know, go from there. Take a listen, it's a great episode and thank you again for stopping by. All right, welcome back to the B2B Growth Marketer podcast. Today's, Guest is Karina Gelster Porgart from Metal Toad. Karina, welcome.
1: Hi, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here today.
0: Yeah, we, uh, we've we met a few times. Well, I guess we've met on virtual landscapes now a bunch, um, but have had the honor of, of working with you guys in Metal Toad on some content. And so I wanted to really bring you on the show because, you know, hearing about some of the ways you, you are viewing content and how you know you and Metal Toad are creating content in this kind of virtual landscape. Uh, you, know, you guys are not new to being virtual or remote. Uh, check out a pod earlier podcast with your CEO, Joaquin, about this, but, uh, but I think like how you guys have developed this content is super interesting, and I think a lot of people could take some, some good bits away from that. So before we get in, maybe just introduce yourself, like where, uh, who is Karina?
1: Oh my gosh. Uh, I'll be succinct. Uh, My name is Karina gelster I'm the Director of Marketing and Brand at Metal Toad. Uh, I just celebrated my seven-year anniversary with Metal Toad. So I started as a designer out there and uh, worked my way up to Creative Director and now Director of Marketing and Brand. I'm located in Portland, Oregon, beautiful Portland, Oregon. Uh, San Diego is one of my favorite cities outside of Portland. Mm -hmm uh and i'm a huge coasty i love getting out to the coast uh you know and getting away from from the desk and getting that fresh air so that's me
0: that must be like is that like an is that like a uh like northwest term coasty
1: uh you know like what i, I think like, it's i
0: like easy. to go to the coast because i've never i don't know if i've ever heard that we don't really I don't have ever beaches
1: that. necessarily as much as the coast out here it can be very rugged yeah.
0: so i get that i get that i that makes sense uh you know we'll have to ask some of our east coast friends what do they refer to the the beach or coast yeah all right all right well i'm just gonna i'm gonna note that as a later question for some other people there um so i know that you started in design and your background is design so like why why design i think i think designers uh are like like have such a skill set that is that is like underrated to the to the fact that to be good at design, you have to be good at a lot of other things outside of just knowing what looks good and like how to express those feelings. Like why? What got you into design in the first place?
1: Yeah. So what got me into design was I had a colleague who was going to school for graphic design. And at the time I was trying to figure out who I wanted to be when I grew up. And I really loved this idea of graphic design because I was very business minded. Uh, I'm very interested in business, but I didn't want to go and get a business degree. And I was really into art and creating art. I was doing a lot of ceramics at the time, but I didn't want to go and get an artist degree. So I found this intersection of design to be uh, both married to one another. You really have to think about um, aesthetics and how things work together and creating harmony and beauty, but you're also communicating a message or you're trying to sell something or um, you're trying to invoke a feeling and communicate something to the viewer. So uh, I really fell in love with design from that perspective and that's what drove me to build my career out of it.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. There's something that you said that it um, it, it invokes like an emotion and yeah. Uh, I, I'm in the middle of reading uh, this book called gap selling from a guy named Keenan um, it's like a lot of people in the sales industry like that book but it he like talks about how important the emotional uh response or like emotional attachment to something and like really selling is just purely emotional like it's what's the emotion of what's the what's gonna cost me to if I don't change or if i do change and like what does that do to me emotionally and so I think knowing that you're that's like what is at the root of sales and marketing. Um, you know, and understanding that I think from your perspective is what makes designers like great designers, not just good designers. Um, and knowing your your yeah. work, and like we can get into Toad lore, but like even knowing and some of <laughs> some of your background. Some of that experience, I think is so, uh, speaks to that, knowing like how to reach your, the, the person you're trying to talk to and knowing that audience member, whether that be internal team, external team, sales, you know, trying to get sales marketing, whatever you're trying to do. Um, you clearly have that, that yeah. skill. So, well, like it's, how have you, so you, you're now more responsible for brand, but also marketing. How have you transitioned from a designer to, um, you know now now responsible for marketing as well
1: yeah i i always see my role in design and i and and metal toad has been such a pl- great place for me to grow uh As a designer you're really looking to communicate create an experience and i see moving from designer into brand and into content and all the way up to marketing is really an evolution so Mm -hmm. uh i i always wanted to be a creative director i was promoted younger than i had anticipated which was exciting um and then i i didn't know what i wanted to be next you know but i really fell in love with content and content creation and so I not only wanted to do design, but I wanted to control the copywriting. And what's the message that we're saying, right? Um, and I wanted to understand the audience better. And who are we communicating to? And I got into buyer personas. And what does that look like? And uh, really, the holistic experience of the brand, working at Metal Toad, we're a small enough company that I have the uh, the pleasure and the luxury of being able to to do my best to control that feeling of the brand. And moving into marketing, it really became... How can we then take all these great experiences and really connect what we're selling to the right customer at the right time? Because ultimately, we're trying to serve the customer and help them. And if we do our job well, we've made our customers' lives much easier. Yeah. That's, so I see it as an evolution uh, and it's just yeah. building additional skill sets. But um, with that same ultimate goal of, of creating a connection and telling a story and, and we happen to sell at the same time
0: that's awesome yeah it, uh, it's interesting like when you are starting a career and you were really like I want to be a creative director yeah and when you when you when you got to creative di- director you're kind of like oh now
1: what what's what that one?
0: <laughs> like creative director at a bigger company exactly. like you know like what like what what do you you know knowing like the advertising world like what's next after creative director it's like do you do you even want that is like in, in advertising speak of from from creative directors but even you know at a at a company like metal toad where you had the freedom or uh, maybe even maybe even like backing of leader you know leadership's uh, encouragement or backing to kind of take on like a more a different defined role that you saw would benefit the company benefit your customers um, and so on what yeah what was uh, what was building personas like your first time?
1: Oh, my gosh. It was so exciting to go and talk to the customers in person. Um, and to, we were so excited that we got to go and chat with some of our customers and really understand, you know, how did they find us and uh, what was their buying journey like? And so I always think that's the best part of creating personas is the ability to really talk with customers. Um, and we had a big design offsite that I helped co-lead and... Uh, we took all those insights and mapped them out into our first set of personas, and um, it's it's something that's so helpful to keep at the heart because when you're working in the day to day, you know it can be easy to lose that voice of the customer. But if you have some really good personas and you keep them up to date, it it just keeps everybody aligned about being very customer centric.
0: Yeah, yeah. How how often uh, do team members? Obviously, your customer service reps talk to probably, or like your account managers, whoever is managing the ongoing work. but how often do do you or leadership or sales go back and talk to customers and maybe, I guess like update that persona and like know that information. Um, and kind of the example that I that I use now is you know, the 12 months ago, all of our personas, you know, what we knew was this, and 12 months later, that persona is completely changed yeah. either there's aspects of every every one of our personas and, and profiles that has changed because of the pandemic um and not you know knowing how that changed you know people a lot of companies create the personas and set it and forget it um yeah. and they're like oh this is our persona um but as much as your life has changed in the last six months 12 months you know so is theirs so have you had do you have a process or have you guys gone back or do you have just enough ongoing interaction with your customers that that's not this? you're, you're getting that information in real time?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously it's changed since we first created our uh, buyer personas many years ago. So at different points in time, it's been different things. At one point in time, we were having a a combined uh, marketing and sales review of our buyer personas every six months and making sure that we're mapping current customers. And was there any gaps um, currently our, our account team and our leadership team talk to our customers constantly, you know, every yeah. day, every every week. And so there's they're they're obviously keeping them very top of mind. And then marketing and sales at Metal Toad is very closely tied together. So we get a lot of those insights directly from the account team. And, you know, we were in the same boat. It's part of why we engaged Beacons Point to help us develop the the latest round of buyer personas uh earlier in 2020 was because we came to that same point. We said, you know, our buyer personas have completely changed and we need to take a step back and really look at who is our customer today because the world has changed so dramatically. So I think a good constant communication between marketing and sales that's informal is important uh, and a partnership there. And I think, you know, building out a process to look at those personas every six months or so because things do tend to change.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, things, I saw this, I I forget who this was, it was, um, someone, someone important. It's like CEO of a big tech company, and they said, they said essentially, we were on track to be this like remote culture, like we were going that way, but what the pandemic did was take a five year plan and condense it down to one week, and yes. we like evolved in one week what we thought was gonna take you know, five years to do and companies and people, everyone struggled to catch up and struggling to catch up is changing needs, changing motivations, changing challenges, um, for all of our, you know, service-based companies of, and tech companies of like, what are we trying to solve for? And if we were trying to solve for how to keep office employees connected while in the office space, well, that challenge, drastically changed, you know, so that's a very important thing, uh, in your, so this, so what I want to ask you now, and I, when I heard you were going to take this on, I was like, this is awesome and an undertaking. And I was very curious how it (laughs) would, how it would turn out
1: Awesome and always an undertaking.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was very like, uh, so for what, like we do something similar for our clients, I knew what goes into it. And so I was very curious, how you guys would work on this is so content has become you know content is a very important tool in your marketing tool belt um, Mm -hmm. because you guys really are about bettering your customers and it shows um in in all aspects of like what you guys do but you kind of decided to say like hey we're gonna we're gonna in this like virtual space we have the ability to talk to anybody and you kind of went out there and said all right we're gonna do like video series video interviews Um, and we're going to build up this like library of content and, you know, I'm curious to know how you, how, uh, what's like the evolution of this idea and like the process that you decided to follow? Because I think, uh, I think a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of companies, a lot of marketers, sales think this is a good idea, but it feels like a massive undertaking. Mm -hmm. Um, and they probably just don't know where to start. And I think this would be really good for people to hear uh, kind of your thought process evolution and then how you actually execute it.
1: Yeah, I would say the very first step was we gave ourselves permission to be scrappy. And so mm-hmm. it's amazing how much you can unlock when you allow for that. So what we decided was uh, we couldn't engage with people in person anymore. Uh, as a tech company, we are uh, an AWS consultancy, and so we work with a lot of different ISVs, independent software vendors in the tech space, and we really wanted to start to map out this ecosystem of tech partners across uh, different cloud workflows and do content creation, media supply chain, and content distribution. So how do you go from creating content all the way to distributing it to the end user in the cloud? And because we couldn't meet in person, it did Open up. Everybody was used to talking on Zoom, so we thought, well, let's do a couple pilot interviews and talk about, you know, this uh, media and entertainment ecosystem in the cloud. And we did three pilot interviews and had these great conversations across New York, across uh, Sweden, um, across LA, and I'm located in Portland. And so we started to develop this content. We put it out on social. And our team, I have an amazing uh, video editor and designer that I work with, uh, props to her. And so our team were very fast and agile. And we were able to take these interviews and cut them up into little promotions and put them out on social. And we provided all of those assets to the partners complimentary because really we just wanted to ask them for their time. And so it, it raises all tides because we're able to share and promote that content on our side all the assets are prom- are shared with the partner on their side so they can promote. Um, and we really started to see some engagement from people on on LinkedIn specifically, which is where we were targeting. And so uh, we decided in Q4 that we wanted to talk to 25 partners in, uh, in, in a month and a half, I believe, <laughs> was what we said, because we wanted to... Uh, Interviewed 25 partners and promote them before the big AWS event, ReInvent, which was happening in December. And so um, we we put our stake in the ground. We looked for uh, partners that we thought would be the best fit. We reached out to them, and you know people are are willing to give an hour of their time pretty pretty easily. And so we said, here's what we think the value is going to be. Here's what we're going to provide to you, and we managed to get a lot of really great people. Um, and it only took an hour of their time, and it was certainly a much larger undertaking on our side, but the, the co-promotion between all of us, and then I also shared the assets with AWS, uh, allowed quite a lot of marketing. So we've been able to really see some engagement and provide our customers some real thought leadership in this space, which is ultimately what it's about, right? This, this ecosystem is evolving faster than people can map. So how can we help our customers understand what's even available to them because it's changing so fast?
0: Yeah, uh, there, there's so many important like bits there. And that like that last one, like how do, how do customers even know what's important because things are going, things are happening so quickly. Yeah. And I think even, um, you know, marketing technology at home, software technology, communication technology, uh, the importance of cloud communications, which we all knew was there, but now it's a necessity. Um, and so how did you, you were, so you, you guys reached out and you said, okay, here, this is the partnership. This is the flow of how people will interact in this space. We, we as metal toad fit here and What, where is everybody else around us that our customers are probably already working with or someone like them? Um, and how do we like map this out for them and bring this information to our customers? So like how, where did you guys even, uh, where did you start? Was there like a partner that you had, you were friends with and you said, let's try one that way we can show it off. Or did you guys just say, nope, we're just going to reach out to these, these 30 and the first 25 that say yes
1: yeah no we did identify uh we wanted uh, about eight partners from each of the different three main workflows right Uh, metal toad is a systems integrator so we work with all the partners to identify what's the right technology for our customer whether we build it or use their technology we're really there to help and so uh the pilot we we started with a company uh it was with vita and we did start with a company that Um, our CEO had met their CEO at an event. And so since we couldn't talk in person, we said, let's do something digitally. And it went so well that it encouraged us to reach out to more and more. And um, we're actually doing an HPA tech retreat event coming up in a couple of weeks here. Um, And we were able to reach back out to some of those partners for that and do yet another virtual uh, panel discussion around those same topics. And so- The relationships that we built in that first round of content meant that we could create four panel discussions with 16 different executives in a four-week period from start to finish, all digitally, using our Mac laptops and a two-person marketing team. So it's pretty incredible what you can do being scrappy. Yeah. Uh, we also have this thing where we call it content studio or studio hour at Metal Toad. And we just take an hour on Fridays and we talk about different topics that we see are relevant for our customers. And we try to make it very short, couple minutes and we take an hour to, to have a conversation. We pull some promos from that. And then we share it online because things are changing so fast. And if the content is valuable, people are willing to forgive the quality, which I think is really interesting right now. Um, we're getting so inundated with so much content that uh if it's really valuable to yeah. you you're willing to to forego some of the quality especially in these times it doesn't have to be perfect quality if what yeah. you're providing is valuable
0: yeah how are you guys so you're, you're you filmed these interviews you edited them down um what how else are you using these this content are you so it's going to linkedin that's your target are you guys also writing blogs on these are you taking snippets and using further else like how are you repurposing all of this content that you've kind of essentially created and generated
1: yeah so we we publish it uh, we take that interview and we create a transcript from it and we publish that on our blog we then take the interview itself the full interview and we put it on our youtube channel so Uh, Follow us on YouTube at Middletone. (laughs) Um, And then we we pull out some of the most interesting sound bites and we share those on LinkedIn. And we really try to be thoughtful about what's valuable to our customer and also what's going to be really short and be engaging so that whether they click through to that full interview or not. They're taking away some micro value, even if they're scrolling through their feed and only catch thirty seconds of the video, because yeah. it's all about providing value. And ultimately, if they scroll through the feed enough, then you know the goal is that they'll hopefully click through and, and listen to part of the video or scan the transcript. And we've seen some real engagement in that too.
0: Yeah, it's still early. Um, I think on a lot of that content to see its true uh, true value, but. Like, what are some of the early indicators that this is, this is working? I mean, I know we're recording this in early March and I know content isn't a, we publish it and then we get, we get 10 customers the next week. Um, Wouldn't that be nice? So like, yeah, that would be, <laughs> that would be awesome. So what, like what, what's the early metrics or early success, early indicators that this is, this is going to be something that's going to stick around for you guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, from a metric perspective, we look at uh, when it's on our website and our blogs, how many likes or how many uh, visits to the website are we getting to those blog pages? We're looking at subscribers to our YouTube and how many views are the videos getting? And it's interesting to see which videos get the most. Uh, we certainly promote it and do organic promotion on LinkedIn. So we're looking for impressions there. We're looking for um, actual engagement or people uh, commenting or they're sharing. We tend to add the interviewees, which is a great, great yeah. Um, yeah. opportunity for everybody because it highlights our interviewees. It gets to showcase their thought leadership and then their, their, t- their followers on LinkedIn get to see it. So uh, those are our early metrics. And then, you know. Uh, looking for people that come back to us, and if we get an opportunity from a partner, or if we get you know a lead that said they learned about us through those interviews, then we'll track that as well.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, that's great information. And I think um, if you so two, I have two more questions. One okay. is really important. One is even more important. But I'll ask the first one. Um, like what you know? What advice do you have for someone who wants to try this at their company? And they're either in marketing, sales, you know, customer service or account management. Like, how do you what, what advice would you have to give someone who wants to start recording these interviews and then repurposing and, and using?
1: Yeah, I would say start small and create a, a a pilot with some proof, a proof of concept. Right. So I think for us, it was really nice to have that relationship with Vita Spine to talk through. Um, so find somebody that, you know, is going to be a really great interviewee with a lot of value, um, create that content and then run a pilot of getting it out on LinkedIn, getting it on your blog, getting it on your YouTube, sharing it wherever you can, and then measure what are some of the metrics that are, uh, valuable from that and showcase that to your team and think about how you could scale that and how that ultimately feeds into your KPIs. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Now Give yourself uh, the most um, crappy, if it's valuable, I, people will like it.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. Like allow yourself to be scrappy. Like, uh, we're, we're kind of in this like age of just try like, try it, record something on zoom. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to go out and buy a bunch of equipment to try and see if something's working because we're all are, I think, I think for a lot of content, our level of what we say is professional has gone down. Because we're all at home making these things, Um, yeah, we want to be heard. We want it to be good video quality. You don't want to have like crazy things going on, but at the same time, we're all we all expect, and we're all in the same position. And you don't have to go out and spend a ton of money to try something out anymore, or to you know even even your ongoing series. Once you guys got proof of concept, I doubt you had you had a huge budget increase. Um, to go out and create these. Maybe you got better software to record. Maybe you got spent a little time on editing, but it's not like you, uh, you know, bought a hundred webcams and sent them around the country with video crews, you know, to get them created. Um, So I think you can, I love that. I love that you can be scrappy.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, be professional and thoughtful, but it doesn't have to be uh, these large budget adventures. And we, we heard that even when we were talking in one of our, uh, content distribution interviews, uh, one of the CEOs that we were talking to mentioned that, you know, they work with a lot of customers and the, the one on YouTube, that's got great content has a huge following and maybe a larger studio will come in and they've got a large budget and they're expecting to get a lot of engagement, but if the value isn't there, they're not going to see that engagement.
0: Yeah, very true. Uh, Last question. That's probably the one I've been waiting to ask you. And this comes from our our offline conversation. You're in Portland. I'm in San Diego. Who's got the best (laughs) beer? Uh, And I'm going to put you on the spot. What is your favorite beer and brewery in Portland?
1: Oh, my gosh. What is my favorite? You know what? I will tell you, it's the Wayfinder. It's a very small uh, metal music brewery in Portland. Oregon. (laughs) And it's an amazing restaurant too. Uh, And it's just fantastic beer, fantastic ambiance. Um, So that would be my favorite Portland one. I do go to the Great American Beer Festival every year uh, when when you can in person with my sister and brother-in-law. And so we get to go across America and my husband. And taste all the different beers. And I will say, I always feel at home in Pacific Northwest or the San Diego, California sections because they always have the best beer. That's
0: right. That's right. Hot takes here on best <laughs> beer in the country, biased to the West Coast. But uh, that's awesome. Yeah, that I've been wanting to go. I want to go to the the Great American Beer Fest. It's been on my on my to do list, but it's always in weird times. Uh, there's also, just side note, just this is not marketing related. Uh, there's an awesome um, there's an awesome, uh, brew fest at Firestone, at mm-hmm. uh, the Firestone Brewery and Winery. Um, and it's like become this like super exclusive, breweries are, are fighting to get to it and they all bring their like rarest, you know, like barrel age experimental beers that like everybody, is like dry, wants to really wants to like taste and try. So like breweries, it's become like a place where head brewers want their beers at Firestone Walker um, Beer Fest. Indeed. Sadly, it hasn't been. It hasn't. It's it's going to take two years off, like everything. But indeed. All right, uh, Karina, thank you so much uh, for recording. If anybody wants to hear a funny story. We did record this before, but it didn't actually record, so this is our second time. But I think this one was better.
1: I, I think it was better. Like anything, uh, <laughs> it was a good practice round, and this one's yeah. even better. So, yeah. uh, forward to sharing it and and sharing it with the people in my network too, because it's an honor to be on your podcast and really enjoy the conversation. Thanks so much for having me, Alex.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys again for listening to today's podcast with Karina gelsdor from Metal Toad. And, you know, we had some th- – there's some, like, interesting things that came out of that that I just want to, like, reiterate is this, like, idea that it's okay to be scrappy um, that Karina talked about. And they allowed themselves – to think that way when they started this initiative of reaching, of mapping this landscape and the flow of, of how people work together and the idea to, to, to reach out and have these interviews and to run them through Zoom, run them through their computers, like no fancy equipment, really get a proof of concept and say like that's okay. Because in this like pandemic virtual world, everyone is at, is accessible and at home. Uh, for the most part, you know, like the, these, everybody can spend 30 minutes to have an interview and this idea that that's, uh, something that's okay to do and, and allow yourself to, to do that. And I, and I, I really want to like bring that back up because, you know, as marketers, uh, sales and marketers, like we want it to be perfect. We want it to be right before we launch something and we want everything to be completed. And, you know, with with kind of this new unknown and I'll go and say unchartered territory that we're in, you know, we've got 12 months into this pandemic and things are about to change again and it's okay to try things. It's okay to experiment. Um, And so I want to, you know, Again, thank you for listening. I want to thank Karina for joining. You know, everybody at Metal Toad, everybody at Beacon's Point. Um, and, you know, we have a lot of fun creating the show. We have a lot of fun at talking to individuals. If you would like to be on the show, uh, you know, check out the show notes. We do have a, uh, you know, guest application. And we're always looking for other B2B marketers, uh, sales professionals, you know, um, You know revenue operations, rev Rev ops, like whoever you know. If you're related to that kind of B two B marketing growth, you know we're looking to have those conversations. And um, you know always check out our you know Beacon's Point, the agency that I co-own and partner with, uh, you know, with our with our partners. And uh, we have a lot of great content around buyer personas, content development, um, you know, sales tactics, and, and like our video first approach there. And there's a lot of great information there. And, you know, we're always looking to help and, and help out. So feel free to reach out anytime. Thank you again, everybody. And check back next week. Thanks for listening to the B2B Growth Marketer Podcast hosted by me, Alex Mead. The B2B Growth Marketer Podcast is sponsored by Beacons Point. Beacons Point is a growth marketing agency that creates a video-first content approach to attract the right customer and deliver the message at the right time. Find out more at beaconspoint.com. This week's episode is produced by Summer Myers. Thanks for listening. See you next time.